This week, let's talk about the tension that often exists between sales and marketing departments in companies. Now, of course, both want the same thing, and that is business success. So how can we bridge the gulf between the two? My guest is Jenny Knighting, and this is episode 285 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This podcast is all about marketing your business and growing your business and for talking about all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a consultant, speaker and trainer from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing simple. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. Now, of course, the Marketing and Finance Podcast is free. It's always been free and it always will be free. But if you want to support the show, you could buy a copy of my book. My book is called Cats, Mats and Marketing Plans. It's all about how to put together a simple marketing strategy and to avoid complexity as your business grows. You can buy it from Amazon, but a quick link is to go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book. That's rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash book. So if you enjoy the Marketing and Finance podcast, consider supporting the show by buying that book. Now, I don't know about you, but every company that I've ever worked for, whether it's a big corporate or a smaller company, there's always been tension between the marketing departments and the sales departments. Now, if you think about it, that's nuts, isn't it? Because ultimately, both sales and marketing people want the business to succeed, but they're often fighting against each other. Some people describe it as the war between sales and marketing. This week, I have a fascinating conversation with Jenny Knighting. Jenny works for the Nutcracker Agency, but she's got a background in sales, and then she moved into marketing. And so she can see it from both sides. This is a great interview with lots of insights and some great ideas that we can all think about and benefit from. So let's get straight into that interview with Jenny right here on the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Jenny, welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Jenny, you work for a marketing design agency called Nutcracker, which is a fabulous name for an agency. And we're going to talk today about the difference between sales and marketing and perhaps how the confusion between those disciplines has maybe led to conflict in organisations. But I'm sure we'll also talk about some really good marketing ideas that you've been working on as well. But before we get into any of that, Jenny, give me a little bit of background about yourself, where you came from, how your career developed, and basically what makes Jenny Knighting tick? <laughs> well, that is a hell of a question. Um, and one, depending on who you talk to, you might get a different answer. Um, but for the purposes of this, I started my career after I left university going into a sales role and quickly realised that I absolutely loved it. Um, I never understand why people kind of whisper they're in sales when um, it's such a fantastic profession. I carried on in a sales capacity, pure sales capacity for several other years, kind of and doing my speciality was difficult projects, if you like, either high value propositions or or launch events or, you know, things that were difficult got my interest. Um, and then very quickly realised after a rather painful episode with an event without attendees that didn't matter what you sold unless you had a really strong marketing arm. And so my love of marketing started 
and my passion for marketing started there when I realized just how you couldn't really have one without the other. Um, and then I carried on doing a number of different roles. My last role before I founded Nutcracker was working um, within the entrepreneurial space and work, listening and hearing how lots of people grew their businesses and come up with lots of exciting strategies for brands to reach entrepreneurs. During the course of that, I came across a number of agencies where I felt that what they was doing was, was fairly disenchanted. It wasn't really putting the client first and it wasn't really it was sitting on the surface rather than getting under the skin of different businesses. And I knew it could be done better um, and I knew it could be done differently. And it wasn't really harnessing sales and marketing. What I believe is they should be aligned for businesses to truly be successful. Um, and so Nutcracker was founded, I founded it in 2014, with the kind of pure goal of aligning sales and marketing, but also enabling really, really strong business growth through the alignment of the two. So that's what I'm, that, that's how Nutcracker came about. It's a very brief background, also going into a lot more detail, but hopefully that's enough, enough for you to get an idea. What makes me tick, I guess, is working with businesses who are passionate like I love working with people who have a dream who are passionate have a vision and I love I love being able to help them achieve that and getting equally as excited about what they're doing and I just I just guess I just like I just guess I like life I like feeling positive I like you know seeing seeing the good in things and and trying to achieve achieve success in all different areas of my life one of the things that you said earlier in um, as you were talking through that Jenny was the um sometimes people just whisper the fact that they work in sales mm. and, and, and when i was growing up I, it was almost like the 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 joke of the double glazing salesman knocking mm. on the door and and then you've got that sort of cliched image of the um used car salesman you know pushy selling nasty techniques and everything and we've definitely moved on from that but do you think that those stereotypes and those those cliches damage the sales profession even to this day yes I think they do but I also think people that are in sales that shouldn't be in sales damage it more mm-hmm. um I think that people fall into sales when they sometimes can't think of what else to do and that's when they whisper they're in sales because sales is tough you know it's hard unless you learn the art of it it's not easy and that's where you end up with sales people who are just forcing an opinion rather than having a conversation who aren't really listening who are just trying to get to sell their products and that's where the bad reputation comes from but you know we're all selling at the end of the day all of us are selling something even if our job title isn't sales um and i think when you see it slightly differently you see sales differently yeah i've i've always thought that selling is is almost like answering people's questions face to face whereas marketing is answering people's questions using communications channels like content advertising and now social media of course what what's your um sort of high level def- definition of sales and marketing so that we can see the difference between the two yeah i mean i suppose i would probably word it slightly differently i think marketing is more um I guess, securing interest, you know, highlighting a pain point and showing why whatever the products or services could help with that pain point and the whole image of the business from, you know, how it looks, how it feels, what the products, how the products are marketed. It's the whole look and feel of a business and how how that attracts customers. Sales for me is about taking that interest and then really nurturing a pipeline to generate customer base. And it's very different to marketing. There's the skills involved are very different, both are equally important in the process, but, but, the, but the skills are different. And I think sales done well is obviously being able to speak consultatively, but also be able to overcome objection after object, objection without being, while being charming about it. So, you know, so, so, so I feel one is, I guess, the art of persuasion outside of speaking. And the other is very much the art of persuasion talking but at a different stage of the process yeah i mean 
listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast will know that I have a very, I, I like to try and keep things simple. And yeah. marketing, unfortunately, I think um, one of the consequences of this fantastic digital revolution that we've had over the last decade, which let's face it, has given more people access to marketing tools at low cost than we've ever seen in history. And that's a really good thing. Yeah. But the downside is that I think a lot of people now see marketing as purely a communications channel. Channel, whether that communications channel is advertising, traditional advertising, or social media, or email, they've got it into their heads that it's just about communication. Whereas, of course, marketing is a much wider discipline. It starts with understanding the customer, as you've said. What's the customer's need? What is the customer's problem or pain point, as you described it? Putting together an offer, and that offer is either a product or a service that solves that problem, meets that pain point, and then what does it cost? And how do you distribute it? And then you can start using all of those fabulous digital channels to communicate that offer to people and, and explain to them what it does, how it works, how it solves their problem. And I guess that's where you've got the sales starts to dovetail with it. Because when people see the offer, when people see the things that are communicating that offer, they're bound to have questions about that offer. And, and sometimes those questions appear to be objections. Now, you can either answer those questions with more marketing content, or you can have a salesperson who can overcome those objections or answer those questions. So I, I have always believed, like you do, that the two functions dovetail together perfectly. But perhaps some of the conflict that we see in businesses is down to a lack of understanding between the two, or or is it something deeper than that? I think there's a lot of mistrust between the two. I think, you know, traditionally, salespeople see marketing people as fluffy and don't have a lot of respect for what they do. And I think marketing people can see salespeople as lazy and often think they're arrogant. <laughs> you know, and I think that's the problem is that it's coming at it from a very negative viewpoint. Salespeople traditionally don't like to give praise for where leads come from. Then marketing people feel that they're not appreciated and that no matter what they do, it's not valued. So I think there's inherent issues um, with sales and marketing coexisting I think with your previous point about marketing now being so easy if you like I think that's one of the problems I think the problem is is that along the way people have stopped thinking about strategy and about who you genuinely targeting and you know I talk to people all the time who have spoke to agencies or marketing professionals who don't seem to get it and that's because they're always looking at the surface so just because you put some social media posts up doesn't mean you've run an effective marketing campaign. And I think that actually one of the, one of the downsides of having things so easy, you know, you can do a post, anyone can do a post. Is that marketing? No. You know, should you be creating a campaign which is actually talking to customers, targeting customers, actually put some effort in? Yes. You know, and I think that that change in marketing hasn't helped this relationship with sales because... It, it can feel like, you know, you can have a marketing person say, wasn't it successful? It's amazing. You know, all these statistics are green and the arrows are going upwards. And a salesperson can think, that's all very well, but where's my leads? Mm. So I think that I think that the, the current way, the market, all the different opportunities with marketing done well, make it even more effective and even more useful tool. But actually, you can do it really badly. And, and, I, and I don't think that's helping the relationship. But I think there is an inherent distrust within the sales and marketing, which I think, you know, leaders of businesses need to hand that, hold their hands up and take responsibility for. Because if praise was given to marketing and they're rewarded rather than being seen as a cost centre, their insecurities would perhaps lessen. And if salespeople didn't feel that they had to be responsible for every single possible win and not be able to give any praise, 
they would then feel more comfortable saying that was a cracking lead you generated and we've got this new customer while feeling secure that actually they were responsible for closing the business. Yeah, that's a really good point and one that need, that really should be highlighted. I've often worked in companies in the past where marketing is seen as a cost. Yeah. And of course, we should see marketing as an investment. And that's a massive difference. And because so many companies see it as a cost, and let's face it, if there's ever a hard time coming up, and we've been through a few hard times recently, as we all know, marketing budgets often are the first thing that gets cut because they see it as a cost, as opposed to, you know, things are going badly for everybody. Wouldn't it be a good idea to ramp up the investment? But you mentioned the word strategy there. Now, strategy is one of my favorite words. And I one of the things I work with my own customers and one of the things I try to teach on this podcast and in the talks that I give at industry events is that we have to nail the strategy before we start using all these fabulous digital communications tools that we have. But I do think that unfortunately the word strategy has a bit of baggage attached to it as well. I often find that if I mention the word strategy, people's eyes glaze over. No, 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 no. I don't want a strategy. I just want you to do some tweets for yeah. us. Or no, 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 no. Yeah. I don't want a strategy. I want you to set up an email um, funnel for me. And yeah. and I'm sitting there thinking, like you've just said, no, 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 you've got to do the strategy first. I'm finding it really quite hard sometimes to overcome that objection that people have to the strategy word. But one of the things that I did find, as, as I alluded to back in the day, when I first started in big corporate sales and marketing, it was a massive clash. But one of the things that I did find in other companies as I became more knowledgeable and, 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 and got into more senior positions was that if you actually started with the strategy and you brought the sales force along with you during that strategic process, that tended to eliminate a lot of that tension. Do you think the same thing is true now that everything's easier on the, the communication side? I think that you can, I think that definitely if you have two teams working together, it's much easier. And I think with the sales and marketing function, the salespeople are hearing factually from prospects their pain points, so whatever the problem might be with your products or service or whatever the objection is. From that, if that's communicated properly to the marketing team, you can then produce some seriously effective campaigns. So I think if you don't hear that, a lot of marketing is really um gut feel or what's found on google which is can take you so far but actually you need to have real hard feedback um your point about strategy i think it's an interesting one i've i think i often hear people say no i don't want expensive strategy and strategy doesn't have to be expensive what it does what it does need is an idea of how you're going to get from a to b and what is needed along the way and one of the things i think companies and people that are trying to increase their marketing don't think about is what they actually need from it mm -hmm. there's no point just saying we've got to do more marketing well what do you need to achieve what are the kpis what marketing qualified leads do you need to get out of that and you can't just start marketing you need to have an idea of what the objectives are and what, what success looks like so i think it's um a mistake to devalue strategy but equally, I think that's come from people perhaps exploiting that word and charging a fortune for oh, yes. you know, and, and so actually that's where it's come from, um, which doesn't help. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so I think it's an interesting one. But I think actually, you know, 
about communication getting better, I think it depends on who's involved. I think if you have marketing and salespeople that can actually just sit down, have a proper conversation and be on the same page, it works. If a salesperson sees marketing campaigns going out, which are very different to what they're focusing on, it's going to annoy them. They're going to think they're going to feel devalued. They're not going to feel appreciated and they're going to feel actually cut out of the mix, which isn't going to create good internal relationships. Equally, marketing people should, out of courtesy, involve salespeople but where salespeople then go wrong there is they start criticising minute detail <laughs> and over-critiquing and then trying to push everything into sales spiel, which is the opposite of good marketing. So it's not an easy one, but when it's fixed, it can be extremely obviously profitable for the business because that's when really, really great marketing happens. Yeah, I think that the some of the problems with strategy um, often stem from those awful strategic days that big corporates and even some companies tend to you know you that you might go off to some manor house in the middle of nowhere and you'll hire a very expensive marketing consultant a much much more expensive marketing consultant than me um and they'll come in and they'll charge you an absolute fortune to run a couple of days of sticking post-it notes on walls and and using lots of um gobbledygook and passive language and jargon and marketing claptrap and then you end up with this 60 page document with a load of which data no one's in it, read. which no one's ever going to read and which will sit on a shelf and gather dust i mean as you as you would i'm sure you would agree a good a good marketing strategy can actually just be a page or two pages you know who's your customer what's their problem how do you solve their problem better than everybody else what are your goals what are your strategic goals and how are we going to communicate it all of that written down is a marketing strategy but without that everything else falls apart and i'd be interesting as well with your agency hat on now i think this lack of having a strategy also affects how companies work with agencies such as yourself And I think I learned this quite early in my career, again, by being part of um, a company asking an agent or several agencies to pitch a campaign to us. And I remember thinking quite early on how disappointing it was with what the agency came up with. And I'm thinking, the agency have completely missed the point of all of this. And of course, at that point, I was quite young and naive and I, I hadn't got the skills and of course, the agency hadn't been briefed properly. They hadn't been given the strategy. They'd just been told, create as a marketing campaign for this product. But we didn't tell them who the customer was, what the pain point was, how we were solving that, what the goals of the campaign was. We just said we wanted a campaign. And the the, the agency sort of just went away and made up the, the strategy, I guess, or at least didn't feel that they could challenge us on the lack of strategy. And in reality, I shouldn't have been the one who was feeling uh, down about what the agency created. It was the fact that we hadn't briefed them properly. Now, of course, as I learned more, things changed. But this still goes on, doesn't it? Do you find that? Well, I think think there's a lot of bad agencies out there. I think that in that example, the agency, the experts, they should have said, this is the information we need to best come back to you with something useful. So I don't know whose fault is it. I probably would say the agencies um, because the whole reason people reach out to agencies is because they've got a skill gap in house and they want it plugged. Um, Nutcracker isn't a typical agency, you know, in a sense of we really act like an outsourced marketing department. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit different. We really do get under the skin of our businesses. So we're not a typical agency. Having said that, 
what makes Nutcracker different is that the people that work at Nutcracker haven't just come from an agency background. You know, my background is sales and marketing director across a number of different industries. You know, my content people are award-winning journalists. Like it's it's a different type of agency to a it's pile them in, pay them not very much, exploit them, and then wonder why the work is not quite on point. I mean, it's a very broad, probably really antagonistic thing to say. I'm sure there's lots of good agencies out there, but I don't think it helps give agencies a good name with how the general approach is. And I think often you know, I'll read something or we'll, we'll start working for new clients. And I'll look at what the previous agency has done. And it's not, it's not sour grapes or anything. It's just, it's not, it's not, doesn't sound authentic. It doesn't sound like it's got depth to it. It just sits on the surface. And I think that goes back into not just agencies, but marketing professionals who aren't really understanding. You have to roll your sleeves up and get, get down and dirty under the bonnet and actually understand your business proposition, your messaging, you've got to really understand who you want to talk to, then you have to communicate that in a really authentic way. And I think whether you're an agency or you're a marketing person within a business, unless you do that, what's produced is not going to feel solid or feel like it's real because it's not going to be because the person writing it doesn't really understand. Yeah, that's really interesting that that Nutcracker is, you're describing it as an outsourced marketing department. I guess uh, I find that quite a few of my clients as a marketing consultant are people who are doing marketing for businesses, but they actually don't have a marketing background themselves. Yeah. They've, they've not got a marketing degree or they've not had any marketing training, but because there's nobody else in that business to do it, or in fairness, they, they haven't got the budget to afford dedicated marketing resource, they end up effectively getting by. And so I think that's where the, there are opportunities for people like yourselves and, and people like me to to help companies understand that marketing is a bigger discipline than just rustling up a few tweets and, and, and some content. So what would be the process that you take your clients through when they come to you asking for effectively this outsourced marketing service? Well, I mean, it, it does vary because, of course, for not all clients, we're not we're not that. We they yeah. might be, there might be bigger businesses and we're their content voice, or we just do their social media, or whatever it might be. I think um, if we are an outsourced, that's a it's not really the right way of wording it. We're not outsourced. We're part of their team that are doing a marketing function for their business. It's like it's like you would if you started work there. You know, you have to really understand what you're trying to achieve. Often, I have to talk to the company to work out what budget they can afford and then where that most effective use of budget is because there's no point coming up with a gold-plated marketing strategy if companies can't afford it and often you need to work out what part is going to be the most effective for them to achieve what they want to achieve from it and I think that's where a lot of people just try and shoehorn businesses into spending money in obvious places when actually that might just be a complete waste of money you know if you haven't got much budget no point spending it all on a PR campaign if you haven't got any you know outreach um so so I think I think where we start is very different for all companies because at Nutcracker we work across multiple sectors and businesses of all shapes and sizes so it's not like we specialize in just this sweet spot and I love that because it means that we take learnings from all different sectors from all different campaigns and it makes us even more agile to be able to create something which fits different company sizes because we've learned from other industries we've got ideas from other sectors um so there isn't really one size fits all really it's just really about taking the time to understand what that business needs, um, what their budgets are, and how we can really maximise results for what they can afford. So obviously, it's like anything. When you start working with somebody new, you've got to ask them questions about their business. Again, who's the customer and what's their offer? And as you say, what sort of budget 
do they have for their marketing going forward? What are, what are some of the trends that you're seeing now um, in the market as we approach as we come out of this, um, or supposedly coming out of the of the last two years of of pandemic and lockdown? Where let's face it, so many things changed. You know, we a lot lot of events had to go online. We started working from home and doing a lot more meetings over Zoom and that sort of thing. And a lot of marketing has shifted towards video styles and, and, and content styles. What, what are some of the trends that you're seeing with the companies that you're working with? Well, I think I think the companies we're working with, obviously, we're, we're shoehorning their marketing. So I think wider than the companies we're working with, I think that some of the different marketing outreach become really saturated. Mm-hmm. I think people have forgotten some basics. So, for example, it's not good enough just to do a webinar. Have you thought about how good your speaker is? Have you thought about what how topical your content is? Um, the, the same with um, if you're if you're a brand that fits with TikTok, what is your strategy? What's the point of it? Like, can you really produce the content, or have you just heard that TikTok's way? <laughs> you know, kind of. And I think that what I'm seeing is a lot more confusion around how to really get results. Um, I'm seeing and hearing companies that say, well, we tried this, we did a blog and we did an an e-book and we did some social media and we put some digital budget behind it, but we didn't reach anybody. And they're forgetting the basics, which is the content wasn't good enough. Mm. No one's going to read it. (laughs) You know, and I think that what I'm seeing is the basic principles that need to underpin all marketing aren't being got right in the first instance. The foundations are weak. So when you're trying to build on those foundations, it's not working. And then people are going, but I'm doing everything. I'm doing social media. I'm doing blogs. I'm doing digital. I'm doing webinars. I've got landing pages. And what they're forgetting is, unless they've got proper content, which is speaking in the right language, getting people's interests, making them want to get involved in the discussion or engage, it doesn't matter what they do, they're not going to engage. So I feel like what I'm seeing is that people are rushing ahead to try and tick things off a list rather than taking the time to anchor it in and do it properly. Um, I also think that it is saturated. People's attention spans, as we all know, are getting less. Um, People are busier because they've got more digital demands on them with different social media different email newsletters different everything um and actually making things even more targeted and personalized is really important it's probably better to pay if you're a b2b business to probably look at a smaller net rather than just trying to get every fish in the ocean but i think that there's a, a panic in some businesses where you know a lot of businesses have had it tough they've been through brexit covid you know we've now got the threat of what's happening in the ukraine and i think um i think it's easy to feel feel panic and i think panic often then makes bad decisions and just we've got to market we've got to do something uh, but without really knowing how to do that effectively and I think that is really affecting a lot of businesses in quite a negative way. I think this that's really profound and I absolutely agree with you and I think that again one of the consequences of digital marketing the digital marketing revolution if we could call that is that there are obviously a lot of very loud voices out there telling people what they should do Mm -hmm. and Quite often, those very loud voices have got vested interests because they've probably got services to sell or courses to sell or or platforms to sell. But I do think that it generates quite a lot of, um, as you say, panic amongst people. I, I, I remember recently um, seeing a tweet um, from a, a, finan- a guy in the financial service industry, funnily enough, where I do a lot of my work. And this guy's tweet was something like, um, I, I've got... I think it was either 25 or 50,000 pounds. I've got, let's say it was 50. I've got 50,000 pounds to spend on marketing. What do you think would be the best thing that I should do? Now, 
as you would expect, this he got lots of replies, and I actually went through the replies to the tweet, and pretty much every single reply was something like "build your email list" or <laughs> um, re- you know, lots of Facebook ads or lots of Google ads or or put together you know, rejuvenate your website, invest in video, invest in 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 um, doing a podcast, and and I'm sitting there thinking, well, actually, those are all good tactics, and yes, they could all be relevant. But nobody, not one person, asked that guy anything about his business. And all he said was, I've got 50 grand to spend. Nobody says, what what industry you're in? Or they could have read read his bio, he did say financial services in fairness. Nobody said- You can say that's broad, is it insurance? Exactly. Is it it fintech, is it? Exactly. And and nobody said, you know, are you targeting a specific- age group of customers you're targeting a specific are you looking at people who want to invest as you say are you looking at people who are are looking for insurance and that really staggered me how everybody just sort of saturates you with their opinion as to what the best marketing and there was even somebody yeah get onto tiktok and uh, you know how good will tiktok be if the majority of your customers are in their um you know their 50s and 60s and looking to retire i mean it, it just just it's just not like that and Again, it just re- reinforces to me that we've got so many people trying to tell you what you should do that we've actually forgotten about the questions you need to ask before you can make that decision. And and it sounds like one of the things that Nutcracker is is doing very well is trying to cut through all of that noise and get people to focus back on the basics so that they can make the decisions. And, you know, in the, in reality... Do you need an email list and an email funnel? You might do, but there are set, you know loads of businesses who who don't need email lists. Do you need to do video? Possibly, but you might not need to. Whereas the overriding message at the moment from everybody just seems to be you should be all in on everything. Yeah, and I, I think I think it is. I think it's I think it's then making people even more confused about what they should be doing, and I think that it's I think that's very difficult. I mean, I think you know. One of the things that I guess makes Nutcracker a bit different, this isn't a sales pitch I was listening, this is just anecdotally for the conversation, is that I guess because I have got a sales background, Nutcracker does put a commercial lens on things. Mm. Where we, do, we don't just say it's good. We say, has what's the client's objectives? What's the purpose? Have we achieved that purpose? So it isn't just kind of blindly going through and going, well, you know, we've we've delivered everything that we're, that we're billing this month. It's right. But what... What was the impact of that? Did you reach the right people? Did you open conversations? Has has it has it met objectives? And at Nutcracker, we talk a lot about purpose. Mm. What was the purpose of what we're doing? What what do clients need? What were their expectations? And of course, our our clients look to us to be experts. So it's, it's our responsibility to be able to advise them and say, okay, well, this campaign wasn't as successful as we wanted it to be. We're going to try this because it's what we've learned from it. And I don't think there's enough reflection. We're all people are so busy trying to say how wonderful they are and how wonderful everything is. They're losing sight of the fact that something might not be wonderful, something might not have resonated, something might not have hit the spot. And actually, by reflecting and actually seeing how you can improve, it might mean that you've got to go up several different roads to find the right road to actually unlock customer base. But without that level of reflection on whether things have worked and you're looking at it with a proper lens, not just a a fantastical lens of isn't it all wonderful you're not going to be able to get down to nitty-gritty of what is actually going to help a business unlock proper growth um and i think that that level of reflection is missing a lot from a lot of marketing campaigns no you're, you're absolutely right jenny and uh i've really enjoyed this conversation because i think um you and i 
quite obviously share quite a few of the same uh, same views. I, I do think digital marketing has been one of the best things that's happened to the marketing profession, but I also think it's been a bit of a double-edged sword. It's made things appear to be a lot more complicated. It's made us focus more on communication rather than having a wider strategy. And I think you just said it yourself there. We've got so many things being thrown at us from so many different angles that it could even have become quite frightening for some people, especially those people who haven't got that background in marketing. And are actually feeling a little bit bewildered about it. So as, as we draw our uh, conversation to a close, and you, you've, you've probably answered this question to a certain extent already, but what would be the one big thing that you would like the listeners of the Marketing and Finance podcast to take away from the experience you've had doing both a sales role, doing a marketing role, and then building the Nutcracker brand? So in terms of helping people listening, I think don't just think your business is looking a certain way. Like don't assume that people are understanding what you want it to. You just stop and take a proper look at your business and think what image is that giving? What message is it giving? Is it going to attract the people you want it to attract? Or have you just kind of got so used to seeing your business and your brand that you're assuming that it's talking the right language? I'd probably start there. And then I would, if your business isn't attracting the market, the leads it needs to, what are you doing? I often talk to people and say that, um, in fact, I was moaning to my children the other day about clearing up and I think tidying up is a good analogy of marketing. You'll have businesses who will say, oh, we haven't got any leads, what leads? And I'll quickly do a burst of marketing, but they won't keep it up. Then yeah. they'll, a short time later, they'll go, oh, we haven't got any leads. Those businesses will always have feast or famine. And actually, what I'd urge people to do is think about the more longevity of, of marketing. If, you're, if you find... Some, a mechanism that works and you do it consistently your business will always grow because you'll have found a route to generate leads so I would say really look objectively your business is it really talking the way you want it to one way to do that is to get people that don't know what you do to have a quick look at your website and be able to tell you really quickly what you do if they can't you've got too much jargon you've got too much you know you're not you're not saying it in a concise way and you need to be able to grab someone's attention and be able to clearly say what your business does and then the second point, as I was saying, is to really um, evaluate what you need to achieve and then do it in a consistent way. So if you can't afford very much, do something that costs less, you know, don't, but do something. Always market your business. Whatever you're doing, do one day do something, whether that is outreaching to someone new on LinkedIn, whether it's getting back in touch with an old customer to check in and see how they are. Whatever it is, do something which within your skill set is marketing your business um, because those little drip feeding bits of activity will mean that people are starting to see your business, talk about your business. What they what they can't reply to is silence. So if you're not marketing, people are not talking about you, people aren't seeing you. So Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show this afternoon. I've really enjoyed our conversation about all things sales and marketing. If people who are listening to the show want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to connect with you? So um, I am on LinkedIn, Jenny Knighting. Um, I'm also on Twitter, at Jenny Knighting. Um, or, of course, you can contact me via nutcrackeragency.com. Fantastic. Jenny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show this afternoon. Let me wish you every success for the future. And I used to travel down to London from Edinburgh pretty much every week. I think I've been twice in the last two years. But the chances <laughs> of us actually being able to meet up for a coffee or a glass of wine have probably in increased now that we're heading out of the pandemic so next time in, in i'm in london maybe we can meet up in real life well, thank you so much for having me i've enjoyed it too thank you
Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and colleagues and consider leaving me a review on iTunes. Until the next episode, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. Thank you.